You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, Nick. How are you? Good. Podcasting on a Friday. Sun is shining. Yep. Here we go again, right? Got my flowery shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. You should be ready for, uh, <laughs> for Hawaii. Oh, I was born ready for Hawaii, Dave. Never been, but always been ready. <laughs> good, good. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to alarm anyone, but the maple tree outside my window is showing a tinge of orange today. Yikes! So, so That's not what we like to hear in August. Summer, summer fading fast. Indeed, too fast. Uh, what are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about able accounts. Ah, uh, yes. I've actually been driving around town and seen a bunch of billboards for the MyAble accounts and thought it'd be a good idea for us to just kind of do a brief overview of what they are and how you might find them useful in some of the planning that you have to do. So want to give us a brief overview of what an Able account is, Dave? Well, an Able account is an account that can be established for an individual with disabilities where they can actually create some savings for themselves without it interfering with um, government benefits from Social Security or Medicaid. Yeah. So one of the big you know, planning issues, if you have someone who falls into this category that um, is on government benefits is can't really have any savings. Most of those plan, you know, most of the rules around those are you have to have, you can have a limited amount of money in an account in your name. And so it becomes extremely hard for people that have benefits. Like, you know, a great example is let's say you have a grandmother that wants to give you money. The problem with that is you can't accept that money or you can, but it would affect your government benefits. And so this is a way kind of potentially around that by having these ABLE accounts where you can have some savings that don't affect your government benefits. Exactly. Yeah. And so these are, these are set up that each state has their own and they, they operate kind of similar to the state run 529 college savings plans kind of Mm -hmm. built on the same, uh, same chassis, if you will, just instead of, instead of for college, it's a good way to accumulate money for people with disabilities. So there are some tax advantages. The earnings grow tax-free and there's no tax on withdrawals from the account as long as they're used to pay for qualified expenses. If you're a Michigan taxpayer and you're making contributions to one of these accounts, a single taxpayer can deduct $5,000 a year in contributions from their Michigan income tax. And a married Mm -hmm. couple can deduct $10,000 for... um, contributions to a Michigan ABLE account. Absolutely. Similar to the 529 plans, there are investment options that are available. Obviously, like the 529 plans, they're going to differ from state to state. But as far as the Michigan or the My ABLE plan goes, they have a pretty good lineup of funds, um, pretty reasonable cost range from anywhere from 0.3 to 0.33. Pretty yeah. low fees in general. There's a $58 annual maintenance fee. If you get electronic delivery of documents, that goes down by like 20 bucks or something like that. So pretty quality all around account as far as expenses go, which I think is a good thing for people in this situation. 
Yeah, as far as sponsored plans like this go, I thought the fund lineup and investment options were about as good as I've seen out there for uh, for a plan like this for, for the for the for the Michigan plan. Yeah, we should probably talk for a second about what a qualified distribution would include. The tax-free distributions you can make under these accounts. So an expense that would qualify basically anything relating to the to the individual's disability, right? Yeah. And the expense has to be they they kind of broad categories here, improve your health, independence, or quality of life. Kind of the main category is not limited to this, but when you think about it, education, health and wellness, again, pretty broad category, mm-hmm. housing, transportation, legal fees financial management, you know, assistive technology. You know, a great example that I heard in a webinar the other day was you can, you know, if, if you have housing, you could build a pool with some with money from this account. Mm-hmm. But you can't build a pool if the individual can't swim, right? So everybody right. can swim in the pool as long as the, you know, the disabled person can also swim, but you can't build a pool if they can't swim. So it's pretty broad, but there are, you know, obviously they're not going to let you do whatever you want, but certain things are, are pretty broad when it comes to stuff like that. So, and then just a reminder that if you take money out for a non-qualified expense, that would be subject to taxes and a 10% penalty. To be eligible for an ABLE account, you've got to have a a documented disability that has to be present before you reach age 26. Yeah. Actually, this just changed, didn't it? You're about to correct me. No, I was just going to say that is true until the year 2026. And then that goes up dramatically up to 46. So they're really expanding the ability to use these accounts, which I think is a great thing. And so one of the, one of the following things must also be true. You've got to be eligible for social security income or social security disability because of a disability. Mm -hmm. Or you've experienced blindness as determined by the Social Security Act. Or you have a similarly severe disability with a written diagnosis from a licensed physician that can be produced if requested. Those are kind of like the the basic definitions of, you know, how you would be eligible for these accounts. And then, you know, you do also, you can, you can self-certify if you have one of the following blindness or medically determinable physical or mental impairment, and you must include a written disability related diagnosis and you must recertify annually. So if you're not on SSI or SSDI, then there is a certification process that you have to go through on an annual basis. On the contribution side, then you can make $17,000 in contributions annually, but you can do more if you've got earned income, right? Yeah. So if the beneficiary of the account is working and making money, you can also do an additional $12,000 into that account. And that's based on the National poverty level, so that gets adjusted with inflation every year. But for 2023, it's $12,060. So you could potentially do as much as, oh, math, $29,060 in any given year if you have that earned income as well. So the disabled individual can contribute from their earnings or from gifts and then family members, friends, other parties. Do you have to be related? make contributions to someone's ABLE account? You do not. 
They actually, Michigan Able has like a neat system where you can actually send people like a link to make contributions to the account without giving away account information and things like that. And so that's kind of a neat thing as well. You know, a lot of times in situations like this takes a village, right? And so you can actually use and fund these accounts where, you know, if people want to help out and give gifts and things like that, what normally wouldn't be allowed or would make things worse in this case, you can go directly into that account. Um, The caveat here is that $17,000 contribution limit accounts for all sources, right? So like your Mm -hmm. aunt can't give you 17,000 and your grandma and the parents, uh, 17,000 total plus the 12,000 with earned income. Right. Got to be coordinated. And then in order to not interfere with your benefits, you've got to keep track of a few things. So an ABLE account, it's not meant to replace government programs, but to work with them. Medicaid eligibility, as I understand it, is never affected by your ABLE account and your balances. Mm -hmm. But if you have, if you accumulate more than $100,000 in an ABLE account, it can cause reductions to your social security disability benefits. Yeah, basically, once you hit that $100,000 mark, your SSI benefits stop until you get below that. And so it really is a coordinated effort around how you're using those funds and making sure you're using those funds. And it's not just, it's not like a 401k plan where you're trying to grow it as much as you can. It's kind of a combination of, yeah, we want it to grow. We want to have a pool of money in case things happen, mm-hmm. but also... We have to be, you know, it, we don't want it to get too big. We want to have a use for a lot of those contributions as well. While there, there is that $100,000 limit, outside of an ABLE account, you're only allowed to have $2,000 before it starts interfering with Social Security, right? Right. So massively so more than that, what you can do outside yeah, of... This really is a, the, the best way for a disabled person to accumulate some savings without giving up benefits. You know, the the nice part about it is, and and we're going to talk about this in a second, but it's not complex in terms of some of the other things that are out there to help individuals. So, you know, not that we don't recommend the, you know, you still need an estate plan, right? You still need to think about things like special needs trusts and things like that. But Mm -hmm. it's a great, like, quick start here, let's start doing this and then let's get our ducks in a row on the estate plan side. And the best use of these ABLE accounts is in conjunction with something like a special needs trust as well, because that's going to cover a lot of the other pieces that just an account with money in it is not. But if you're sitting there thinking, hey, we got to do something, it's pretty quick and easy to open an account and start contributing and then get the estate plan in tow and make sure that's all set up. But you know that obviously takes longer and there's more planning involved. Um, not that you shouldn't do it, but if you're thinking, hey, I want to start, I got, if you got, if you got the, the bug in you and you want to start something, an ABLE account is a great place to start while you're putting together some of that other stuff that's going to be important down the road as well. To set up one of these accounts, if you're a Michigan resident, you just go to savewithable.com, mm-hmm. www.savewithable.com to open the account. The website's got a lot of lot of good information on, on on how to coordinate these these accounts. Do you certify right then and there that you're eligible? Yeah, I believe. Um, and and this is another thing that's changed as well, Dave. They've made it a lot easier to certify than it was in the past. But yeah, as a part of the application process, 
but it's not as it used to be a little bit more tedious and they've kind of streamlined it along with expanding it to 46. And so my understanding is it's a lot easier to sit down and open an account and have, and be ready to make contributions than it used to be in the past. So I don't know exactly what those details are, but the website is pretty helpful and the folks over there are pretty responsive if you need some help walking through and making sure you're eligible and figuring out what you need to do. So, but yeah, I think, you know, in general, it's a good idea. And like we talked about a little bit before, it really does a great job of working in conjunction with some of the other estate planning stuff that you have. Because, you know, when you start talking about special needs trusts, there's different taxation, there's different rules for mm-hmm. who's making contributions. And there's different rules for as far as gift taxing goes. Um, so one of the nice things about an ABLE account is if Aunt Susie wants to give a gift of $10,000, she does not need to file a gift tax return where Mm -hmm. a special needs trust, because it's not a completed gift, she would actually, for that same $10,000 gift, would have to fill out a gift tax return. So Mm -hmm. there are some really good, nice things about the ABLE account. But in my experience and what I've seen working in conjunction with your estate plan and special needs trust, is the best way to do that. And so that's definitely a consideration of working with someone that can help you figure out what the rules are of each of those things and what makes the most sense as far as funding and where money goes and how it flows through. A couple other things to keep in mind, just you, you need to understand the fees that are associated with the account and how the, how the program operates. It's fairly low cost, but you know you should pay attention to that. And I guess you know, the same kind of rules as far as the investment portion goes would apply as what we talk about with clients, right? If, if you don't, if you think the funds are going to be used for actual expenses in the next few years, you've got to be a little, little different in how you invest than if you're just trying to accumulate this money for this individual for the long run. And the way that these worked and what we talked about it, like hitting that hundred thousand dollar limit, you're probably going to want some money for expenses. And so you might have two different, uh, you might have two different buckets of money, right? You might have more of a cash holding for expenses that you think you're going to spend in the next couple of years and a longer term growth portion that you're investing. But you definitely want to make sure that you're working with a planner or working with someone that can help you figure out how to best allocate those funds. Cause it's not as easy as just, you know, it's not like a 529 plan where you're just going to set it there and throw money in for potentially 20 years. It's probably going to work differently than that. And so you just have to be aware of how you allocate based on what those goals are of the account. A little little bit of planning and structure involved in the investments would be a good thing. You really do still need an estate plan to go with a ABLE account. It's not, it doesn't really replace that planning aspect, right? Right. Absolutely. You know, talked about it a couple of times, but it's a great complement to the special needs trust. It's not a replacement. You know, there's lots of benefits. You know, it's the Michigan plans, cost effective, you know, a lot of spending power, much broader, easier access, plus the tax deduction and tax-free federal growth. But, you know, it, you still need that in conjunction with the things that your special needs trust is going to do. So it, it's a great tool as a part of the overall plan. One, you know, other potential thing to consider is that balances after the individual passes away, you know, may be subject to claims from Medicaid if Medicaid's been paying 
ins- you know, health insurance expenses for, for this person, you know, there may be some reimbursement there. The interesting thing about these accounts is you can't name a beneficiary. So it's not like a traditional investment account where if I'm on the account and I die, it goes to my wife, right? You can't name a beneficiary. It automatically goes to the estate of the beneficiary. And the reason for that is that potentially if you've been on Medicaid or using Medicaid, some of those expenses they might be able to make a claim against the estate for. So if you don't have Medicaid expenses, then it would go to the estate and it would get probated like a normal um, account. Um, But that's part of the reason for not allowing beneficiaries on the account is to make sure that Mm -hmm. if you are using government benefits, this is not a way to shield money from government benefits should something happen to the beneficiary, I guess is the best way to put that. So something to think about in terms of, you know, how you plan and how and when you use those funds. This is not, you know, a vehicle for wealth transfer. So it's another consideration when you're thinking about how do we use this account? How do we best position it? When do we take money out? Um, Those are all things that you need to think about and make a plan. It's an interesting tool. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, they've been around a few years. Adoption has been kind of slow. I think the the ads you've seen around Lansing are probably an indication that the state is is hoping to uh, gain more attention. But these these couple little little tweaks to the rules have have probably, are probably going to make it more appealing and I think we're going to see this become a pretty common tool in those situations for folks with disabilities. Yeah, and I think, you know, just thinking about it from the societal standpoint, I think it's a great tool for that, right? Like, you don't, like the whole point of SSI and um, Medicaid is if you don't have money, then the government kind of supports mm-hmm. that. So this is a great way to be able to help take care of someone because, you know, we all know that SSI doesn't go very far and Medicaid doesn't go very far. So there's always going to be some need for outside funds. And so this is a great way to plan for that, to make sure that your loved one is taken care of and to utilize that and to be, to be able to help someone and plan for someone. It's a great tool for that, that I think is very helpful, which is why I think we've seen the expansion from the age of 26 to 46. And we'll see what happens in future years as far as expanding. But it's just a great, you know, a great tool mm-hmm. to help people in this situation to be able to have some access to funds for care that's not covered or over and above what they're already receiving. It's uh, it's pretty specific, but uh, should be a should be a good good vehicle. So, looking forward to uh, using uh, finding reasons to implement this for a few people. Absolutely. So if you have questions on the ABLE accounts, feel free to shoot us an email at info at srbadvisors.com. And also the Michigan website, Save with ABLE, has a ton of different resources on it. So check that out as well. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, But uh, like I said, if if listeners have questions, reach out. We'd love to uh, help figure out how this might be an impactful part of your planning. Great. Thanks, Nick. You bet, Dave. Always a pleasure. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.